Hey everybody, welcome to Pit Stops, the podium, the Red Partners podcast where we talk to execs who have competed in one, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brendan Tolson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Red Partners, and I'm delighted to have with me today, AJ Bruno for this edition of Pit Stops, the podium. Welcome, AJ. Brendan, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I am thrilled for this episode. It's been fun to get to know you over the last year or so. Um, AJ is the CEO of Quotapath. And AJ, before we get started, how about you tell our listeners who Quotapath is? Sure. I, I like that you chose the adjective thrilled. You were like thinking you as you're like, what adjective? I'm going to go with thrilled. Well, you have, I mean, you have like the plane for your podcast. So I feel like I have to incorporate some of those <laughs> you're emotions. You're spoiling some of the surprise, Brendan, of this podcast, of this uh, <laughs> episode. We'll get to that. But uh, Quota Path. So we are a sales commission tracking platform. We're uh, really based for sales reps. We're built by sales reps. So I'm a, a lifetime learner of sales, which we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, but Quotapath was founded in 2018, um, and we're, we consider ourselves product-led growth. That means that we have a freemium part of our app, individual sellers. They typically have their own spreadsheet trying to calculate how much they're going to make on a deal that month. Uh, we help replace that and give them goals, how many deals to President's Club, a down payment on a house, a wedding ring, if they want to, whatever they want. Um, it's a fun app, but we also then, of course, have the commission process for the, the RevOps, sales ops, finance folks to really make sure that they're paying their team, not just accurately, but on time. A novel <laughs> idea. I know. But so this this is like music to the ears of our audience. So I think every sales rep will be uh, talking to their organization about buying quota paths. So this is this is good. Uh, this is a good start. Uh, well, AJ, before we get into our big idea and you kind of tease it out just in light of your background, but let's get to know you outside of work. So we have a tradition here at Pit Stops of Podium, which is to get to know our guest outside of work. So what are three things that our audience should know about you? Well, you already spoiled one of my fun facts sorry. here. I'm sorry. Sorry, no, I, I am a commercially rated pilot and I do own a Beechcraft Baron. It's a uh, twin engine airplane. I fly around the country. I'm based in Philadelphia, but our, we have an office in Austin and fly Philly to Austin. My parents live in the Outer Bank, so I'm, I'm just up cruising around. How did, you get, uh, how did you get into that hobby? Like, how, how does that start? <laughs> my dad's a pilot. My mom's a flight attendant. So it's, oh, you, it's, I, yeah. I, uh, yeah, we can go down that path. But I actually started my first company, Trendkite, because I wanted to own an airplane. And I didn't know how. So I was like, oh, I'll just start a company. I'm sure that will help, <laughs> help create <laughs> enough money to buy an airplane. Um, another fun fact that's actually in tangent with the first one is that I only have one working lung. I have two lungs. Wow. Yeah, I have two lungs. I was born with two lungs, but only one worked uh, when I was born. Didn't find out until I was 12 years old. I'm super healthy. I'm a runner. I fly airplanes, of course. So the altitude issue uh, hasn't hasn't slowed me down whatsoever. But I do have like yearly checkups and nuclear stress tests, pulmonary function tests, all the fun stuff to make sure I'm still healthy. And you, you will not be volunteering for a lung transplant, it sounds like. No, not anytime soon. And I definitely was for trying to be first in line for <laughs> vaccination for COVID. So yeah, pneumonia and I do not get along, I promise yeah. you. Um, and then the third fun fact is, uh, as I have three daughters, I have uh, a nine-year-old and twin girls that are six, and uh, they are the joy of my life. They're at a really fun age where like, they're not just human beings, but they're, they're, they're getting more well-behaved human beings. <laughs> you, you are a girl dad. And uh, yeah, your oh, yeah. season of life, I know this probably isn't good because it's a podcast recording, but we're 
it, in light of the fact it's almost Halloween, I, I, I'm a dad too. I have three kids and I was told like, there's a season that's bo- the book ended by the Halloween years, which is like essentially, I don't know, five to probably 12. Yeah. It's like that really sweet season where your kids are old enough now uh, and they still like you that it's a, a really fun time. So yeah, but I, the three, when they're three to five, it's actually great too, because they can still do trick or treating, but then you can just eat all their candy. That's right. That's right. And you're probably, <laughs> and you're having some booze behind them as, as yeah. Now, now they know they're a little bit wise <laughs> up. Like, wait a second. You just took some of my candy and put yeah. it in your, my sister's. Yeah, uh, we we have we have a quota for our kids on candy. Speaking of sales, so that they get like their <laughs> they get like their three, and then we take the rest of the back. Teaching them young, getting them on that sales quota as as, right. as early as possible. I love it. Well, AJ, thank you for sharing a little bit about uh, who you are outside of work. It's always fun to get to know our our guests. Let's let's transition to the big idea. And in light of your experience, I think this is going to be a fun one. And it's for some of these aspiring uh, leaders that we have on this podcast. Uh, it'd be great to hear your experience and the experience that I'm specifically referencing is that transitioning from a sales leader. Uh, to founding your own company. Uh, and so we, before we get into some of those practical applications of how you've taken sales principles or concepts and applied it into building Quota Path, maybe start with kind of a background on your sales experience. I think sure. that might be a good starting point. Yeah, uh, I graduated school 2008 from Penn State, not really knowing what I wanted to do in the world. Um, I did know that I wanted to own a company and own a business at some point. My dad uh, along with being a pilot, and um, as, as I mentioned, my mom being a flight attendant, he actually owned his own video production studio in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which was, he had, so he had a little bit of an entrepreneurial gene in him. And as I was graduating, I think one of the things that I was thinking about was how could I, how could I better my career off the bat to put me in a position to be a business owner? Um, and I asked around and my uh, dad talked to me and then my uncle, who was also a business owner at the time, he gave me advice, which was very surprising and said, why don't you try out sales as a career? And in 2008, <laughs> obviously with the financial crash and the recession, uh, that didn't seem very appealing. You think of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to school and college, you're like, what do you want to be? And you're like, well, I want to be in finance or I want to be in marketing. Or, you want to be in sales was not one of the answers that you would typically give. Uh, so I looked into it and um, technology seemed to like getting, there's different types of sales, of course, but tech sales was something that was fairly interesting and fascinating. Um, so I interviewed at this company called Meltwater, which is a Norwegian company. I, I know that we have, we have some shared folks uh, that we know Tyler was at Meltwater as well. Mm-hmm. And we, <laughs> Uh, I interviewed, I did a group interview. It was a very strange interview process. Uh, and that was like literally the only interview that I had that was in sales and got the role, uh, in 2008, started in cold call sales in Philadelphia. And it was exactly what you can think of is got on the train at 6 30 AM, got there in that button seat by 8 30, made a hundred cold calls, tried to close deals. One call closes were a thing at that time. Didn't have any sales tech. I had barely a CRM, didn't use Salesforce, didn't use HubSpot, didn't use anything that would help hmm. <laughs> help the selling process. And I uh, would had to leave it. I couldn't leave until 6 p.m. So I, I had a train that I could catch at 6.07, but I had to leave at 5.58 to catch it. And my boss wouldn't let me leave it, leave then. So, so how, out of the 100 calls, how many were you expected to create opportunities from? Oh, my goodness. The, the, first off, opportunities wasn't the word oh, we used. It was me. cases. Okay. Cases. We used the word cases. <laughs> the cases we had. Uh, qualified cases. The QCs. They We had, so 100 calls, you could expect one 
pick up every 11 to 12 dials. So I like would have, you know, six to seven pickups during the day. I think one out of every two turned into a demo appointment. And out of those to three, I could probably close one out of every 10 uh, demos that I had. If you like, I reverse that. And that was a thing that I did. I quickly reverse engineered at the time. And I, um, one of my later bosses had this point system with activities that you would write down that he made everyone keep. But the thing he taught me was that he like said, oh, I'm going to just reverse engineer this. And again, 2008, there weren't thought leadership blogs. Right. There weren't a lot of people <laughs> talking about this thing called software as a service. And uh, I just recreated it. Um, and then I, the other thing I did as a, a sales leader, I, I did really well. I recorded my calls on an RCA recorder. No, you did and, not. Wow. Yeah, RCA recorder. We plugged it in. It was super staticky. Uh, we were all like kind of freaked out because we weren't sure how we were supposed to tell people we were recording calls. And there was no, that category was not in existence, of course, at the time. So no gong, no course, no any other platform. Um, and we would listen to our calls and just try to get better at them. 2010, I moved to San Diego, ran the San Diego office, uh, worked out of this, uh, the San Francisco headquarter office for a little bit. Um, and in 2012, I had a, uh, a reckoning, an awakening that it was time to start a company. I actually went and saw Tony Robbins and uh, unleashed the power within. And uh, away I went. Trendkite started it and I was the first sales rep and kind of ended up being co-founder and president slash AE and AE to uh, team lead, team lead to sales manager, sales manager to director, director to VP of sales, VP of sales, I guess, to CRO uh, through 30 million in ARR. Never had that title though. Never heard of any of those titles. <laughs> oh yeah, you you've experienced it from beginning to end. I mean, in terms of all the roles you can or all the hats you can wear in a sales capacity. And I, I like how you even you know described Quotapath now as a you know sales software designed by a salesperson. Um, and so let's let's talk a little bit about how your experiences in that sales. I mean, you still do sales, of course, but like the experience in sales has impacted how you've built Quotapath. And I want to talk about three specific topics. There's how do you raise funds? There's a hire and recruiting aspect. Uh, and there's the people management concept. So let's start with the first point, which is, you know, how is your sales experience informed how you think about raising money? Yeah. And over the, the two companies, I think I've raised around 70 million, which actually doesn't sound like a lot today. It was it was like five or six different rounds, but $70 million over the two companies. Um, and I, I think what my co-founder at Trendkite and I did really, really well is we we reverse engineered how we wanted to that to work. So we like basically created an endpoint of the story you want to tell, wanted to tell that milestone, that first seed raise. And in 2012, we raised our series A six months after starting the company for $1.2 million. It was nothing. And uh, that was, but that was six months. It was really, really quick. We went through a business accelerator. So we used the demo day as that ending point for us and said, okay, if we can raise funds, because we absolutely need to, I mean, I've been, my wife just had our first child. Our daughter is six months old. We're living in a one bedroom apartment um, in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And I'm in Austin at this point. Like we have to have like we have to have money to survive, so we have to raise money. So that was the first decision: was are we going to raise money? Said yes. Okay, let's figure out how we do this. And it was really like any other sales deal. 
where you create that, you create a list of opportunities. And so we had that our, our ideal customer profile, our ICP, and that included all funds that we could talk to in Austin because that was our worldview. And we got introductions from other founders. Uh, so I would just, we would just cold reach out to other founders like, hey, can you make an introduction? This person, we're doing this. And there were a couple founders uh, that were funded by Silverton Partners in Austin that were like, we got to know and became friends with during the program. And all three of them were like super helpful because they were just like, hey, uh, Morgan, the partner at Silverton, you all should definitely take a close look at, at Trendkite. Um, so that was like the buildup. We had this napkin idea, got everything stitched out, had a few early customers, signed contracts, that same thing that you go through, uh, just showing that proof points that minimal viable product was up and running. And in March of 20, 2013, uh, we raised that $1.2 million. I think that was a seed stage today. Uh, and since then, that's evolved. The world's evolved. The fundraising has evolved. But in May, when we went out and raised and did our Series A, we had $20 million Series A, successful ending, uh, there were 50 funds that we talked to that were all over the place. And I just wanted to make sure I matched up partner to our business. And we had lots of great conversations. It was a fantastic process. And um, I just treated it like a, a sales deal. I basically created, I had my own CRM that I, I used Asana for. And like, I just basically had all of the next steps and just kept everyone on the same timelines. Did the BANT or MedPIC qualifications yep. and just like ran it to success. That's great. Uh, yeah, I think it, there's no reason why you can't do the same type of the application, regardless of who you're selling to. It's the same. The same principles apply. A sale is a sale is a sale. It just you know the audience changes, the problem sets change, the pain points change. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone's really just trying to 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 make their world better. And so, how can I, as a human being, make their world better? Makes it a lot easier. Well, and I mean, you receive funding from Insight Partners, and that's uh, not an easy thing to do. Um, is there are any lessons learned, or what was the the pitch that, or was a hook rather that got them interested? Uh, I first off, I love working with Insight Partners. Absolutely, like love working with them. I think they're a fantastic fund. We also work with Stage Two Capital out of Boston, um, and and HubSpot Ventures as well as also an investor. But um, Insight. Uh, was not really on my radar because they're a $33 billion fund and we're Series A and Series A and venture, you're going down market to smaller funds. Um, but they uh, had talked to us a bunch and we had created a relationship fairly early. They're really good about doing that. But again, I didn't really have them on the radar. Um, and their head of sales center of excellence, Pablo Dominguez, who works with a lot of their portfolio companies on the operating side, really had a strong tie to what we were doing. He completely saw the vision. Like, ah, he had looked at others in the space, but knew how we were thinking about the world and how that was matching what he was seeing. Hmm. And then that got kicked up to um, to a partner level. And Rachel Geller, who's on our board, uh, and got involved in the conversations. And I was already like three weeks into the fundraising process. I was about to end when they came in super late. Uh, and then like, we just, they moved really, really fast. Uh, and had a great conversation, had a lot of fantastic options. It's very rare. In fact, this was the first time as a founder where I felt like I was actually on the other side. I wasn't begging someone, <laughs> please give me money. Um, and I like that made it actually really difficult. I had to have a, uh, a couple of co tough conversations with a few partners that I absolutely loved. And like, it was a tough, those are tough breakup calls. I know the other side, investors are kind of used to it with founders. It might not be that much easier for them, 
But for me as a founder, it was the first time I was super uncomfortable. And like, when you think about sales, working outside your comfort zone is how you get better at it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was, it was a good uh, lesson learned and I loved everything about the, the, the process this time uh, around. Well, and similar to sales, timing isn't always, it's, not, it's always the right timing for both parties. And so yeah. even with the investors, like how do you make sure that you maintain a relationship? Because it may be a no for now, but it's not not a no forever. And so as, as you mentioned your series A, there's going to be, I will assume, you know, let's assume there's going to be more and it's good to have those relationships. And uh, side note, since you mentioned Pablo at Insight and uh, Mark at Stage 2, just for audience, go back. We have podcasts for both Mark and with Pablo with Great Insights. Uh, but let's let's move on to the second topic, uh, AJ. We talked about you know how sales really informed your fundraising efforts, uh, but let's also talk about how it impacts how you recruit uh, and hire people to join you uh, at Quotapath. And I think this is like the most appropriate talk, topic we can all be talking about. Um, we just did a, a like a, a quick view on what was going on in the world, and um, there are. Uh, 1.4 million LinkedIn sales job postings posted today. And in fact, there are 11,000 more postings than there are salespeople in these, uh, in these cities. Um, And that is, that's a challenge. And I'm I'm like, I don't know what this world is going to look like, but I also know my number one job as the founder and CEO is to bring on great people and amazing people that I want to work with. I think that was something we did well at Trendkite. Uh, and, and something I wanted to double down on at Quota Path. Um, so I, I just like love having conversations with people that like can get behind our vision of the world and what we're doing and how we're doing it um, and figure out a way to, to work with them. So I typically have the first or second conversation with a lot of like even just the candidates. It's not to slow down my team, but I want to make sure that they have the founder perspective and the vision and the job. My job is the interview process has changed a lot is not to have a strong armed interview. What are your strengths and weaknesses type of interview, but rather, Hey, here's quota path strengths and opportunities. And here's what I'd love for you to come join and, and see yourself working in. Uh, so recruiting very important, very top of mind. And then just making sure the team's onboarded correctly. Cause we, I mean, we were 20 people in, May and we're 40, we're going on 50 people right now. So the company's more than doubled in the three and a half months, making sure that everyone that is surrounding is well supported, that they have their environment cleaned up. And like, that's all, all sales, right? That's all figuring out the pain points and the challenges and doing a lot of active listening, Yeah, a lot of active listening to your, your, um, your, your people. We had um, Rob Foreman, who's one of the co-founders of Sales Loft, on a previous episode, who's also an insight company. And he talked about the people on the recruiting side. And, and a lot of what you just said resonates from that conversation, which is instead of it, it's almost like you come side to side with that candidate as opposed to like an active interview. And it's like, how can we partner alongside you, understanding where you want to go? And it's, you know, quote a path in this example, the right place for you. And so you become their advocate or their ally, uh, as opposed to just kind of the, the interviewer in, in that scenario. Yeah. And I mean, for us, we have to practice what we preach because we like our app has a lot of that goal tracking inspiration. And so like our, our culturally worldview has to be inspired for everyone in the organization of like career, career driven. Um, we've always done half day Fridays since 2018. And like, that was a pandemic thing, but that was something we always cared a lot about. Um, things like having election day off and, and like, those are things that we like wanted to be very mission-driven with the organization for our employees. 
And, you know, even when we were talking about like, what do we, when you and I were prepping for this in terms of what we want to talk about, like you had mentioned like, Hey, one of my, like one of my rocks or the things that I focus on is going to be recruiting. I guess that important to you as an organization. So you are practicing what you're preaching, which is always, which is always a good thing. <laughs> yes, it so, is. Always a good thing. AJ, let's, let's get to our final points. So we talked about, you know, the fundraising component. We talked about how sales can uh, influence how you think about recruiting and staffing. Now let's talk about how, once you have those people in seats, let's talk about the management aspect of it. Yeah. I think the, the people managing sales leaders and managing a team that are not sales leaders are vastly different things. At, at the at end of a month, end of a quarter, you can sit down with your team, your reps, and it's very black or white. You know when someone needs to go on yeah. a performance plan and when they don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is not true for really any of the other roles, certainly engineering, product, or marketing. I mean, maybe marketing has some overlap there, but in general, like how you manage your people and how you create that sense of urgency in a startup and organization is fairly important. Um, so the like the third thing that I uh, I gonna say that one of my main focuses today is just spending time with my people. And I certainly have one-on-ones with my entire exec team every week. Um, I am so thankful I have such a badass uh, leadership team. It is so, so good. And that is like refreshing where Caroline Tarpey, our VP of sales and CS, like she has just come in and completely owned it and taken it all over so that I can uh, spend a lot of the time, like the 10% of my time is given back where I can start to skate where the puck is going to be. And as far as like the people management, it's more of like the six, 12, 18 months that I'm really like looking forward, trying to make sure I put people in position to be as successful as possible. Uh, so that's where I think about the people management. They should be like, we're hiring great people. Um, I expect them that they're going to do like fantastic work. We're going to create an environment where everything's taken care of and you know, where we send pinatas that are trick-or-treat pinatas. As that's cool. Bring this up uh, to the camera. Um, and that's great. Those are all fantastic things that we'll offer, but ultimately we have to pull all of the friction away from them just doing the, the work on a process standpoint. So they don't feel impeded by anything that feels certainly not political and having a cultural implication, but also just process in general of just like, ah, this freaking computer doesn't have enough RAM or whatever it is. <laughs> like, just remove those barriers immediately. Yeah. I like that. It um, it reminds me there's there's a book by Patrick Lencioni called The Advantage, and it talks about like you know performance is easy to your point, it's quantifiable in a sales um, aspect, but accountability is hard because that's really more about like uh, behaviors and actions. Yep, and that's not what sales is in terms of management. And so yep. what I liked about what you're saying is you kind of set the course, you set the direction. How do I limit the barriers and empower you? Uh, to drive, which when you get into sales leadership, uh, like overarching leadership, that's a lot of what it is because you don't have uh, as much uh, command and control on the actual engagements themselves, which uh, which makes a lot of sense. I really like, so that The Advantage is one of my favorite books. I actually like The Five Different Functions of a Team better by Lencioni. Like that's uh, that one, because I, I like the negative stuff. It just <laughs> you know, like learn, learn about what is dysfunctional versus, oh, the positive. Yeah, but a lot of the 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 spirit of talking about the people management is comes from that book uh, for me because I read it about six or seven years ago and I was like, oh, this is makes a ton of sense. It was really really helpful uh, thinking about my own business. So both books, great books. Yeah. Um, well, AJ, I appreciate you coming on. It was 
a lot of fun to learn from you and to hear about your experience and how uh, your background has informed how you built QuotaPath uh, as it relates to raising money, as it relates to recruiting and hiring, and then as it relates to, to managing the people once they get you know on the bus. Uh, what are some practical next steps that our audience could take, uh, whether it's with QuotaPath uh, in terms of getting to learn more about your product, but also you as an individual? Yeah, um, I'll start with the individual because I think that's where I, I get asked a lot about from an advice like, hey, I want to either invest in startups or I want to get to know a network a little bit better. I'm going to start my own company. And I think that, that that piece of it, we as sales leaders can sometimes get like trapped into our own team because that's where you have to spend 100% of our time. But there is a massive community out there, a massive community. And the people listening to this want to better themselves. So get to know that community wherever and whenever that is. There's plenty of events. I don't need to recommend people. If you need like actual recommendations of this, feel free to reach out to me. Send me a personal LinkedIn message that you listen to this and would love to, to, to know some of those resources. Happy to do it. As far as QuotaPath is concerned, um, we I mean, you, you can sign up as an individual seller uh, uh, right on the application. I'm happy to um, connect with you and talk a little bit more about where we're headed, if it makes sense, or connect you with someone on our sales team as well. Uh, but the app is awesome and we're we're crushing. I mean, we have a thousand percent growth this year. Uh, wow. So, and 2022 is going to be phenomenal. I'm so excited for all of the stuff that we have coming uh, and we're working on and in building as fast as possible because we've removed all those friction and barrier points. <laughs> but uh, it's really exciting and it's going to be a great year for us too. Well, AJ, congrats on all the success. What I heard is if you want to connect with AJ, go to LinkedIn, find him, connect with him. And if you want to engage with CodaPath, just download a trial and uh, become an evangelist in your organization. So AJ, thanks for stopping by. Love learning from you uh, and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much, Brennan. All right, talk to you later.